China finally showing signs of easing its border entry rules, the first time since COVID-19 broke out. The details yet to be announced. Boeing 737 MAX could be returning to China. Officials meet with the company years after the aircraft's grounding and two deadly crashes. The Pentagon pushing contractors to move supply chains out of China. This as the number of Chinese companies making the cut increases fivefold. Nearly $260 billion, all for Shanghai infrastructure. China looking to boost the economy hit hard by COVID-19 lockdowns. But who's paying the bill? And the Chinese Communist Party expanding its international influence. Unofficial service stations under a Chinese police bureau set up outside China. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Chenny Wu, in for Tiffany Meyer. China is opening up a little. Beijing is now easing border rules for tourists. This after largely closing itself off from the rest of the world for over two years. Let's take a closer look. China issued draft regulations on Monday, looking to improve tourism along its border and ease entry rules for foreign travelers. The draft says tour groups organized by travel agencies can enter China's border areas, but only through designated ports. The policy didn't specify whether those entering would still have to abide by China's quarantine requirements. That's one week of hotel isolation and three days at home. No further details have been revealed. China shares a border with 14 countries, including Russia, Mongolia and Vietnam. Beijing has kept those borders closed since the pandemic began in 2020. Tourists have also been banned from entering the country. Now, just 4 percent of international flights take off daily in China, compared to before the pandemic. On top of that, China suspended 26 flights by U.S. carriers since February. That's due to passengers testing positive for COVID-19 after arriving in China. The U.S. responded by canceling a wave of Chinese flights. An aircraft model from American plane maker Boeing is about to return to China. The company is negotiating with Chinese authorities. It comes three years after the model was grounded following two fatal crashes. Here's the update. China's aviation regulator said Tuesday that it had a meeting with Boeing last week. They talked about the 737 MAX's return to China. The jet was grounded globally in 2019, including in China. And deliveries of new planes were suspended. That decision followed two fatal crashes that caused hundreds of deaths. China's regulator said the purpose of the meeting was to review improved aircraft training plans for the model. After the meeting, Boeing leadership said the company would begin remarketing some jets meant for Chinese customers, adding that the company could not wait indefinitely while U.S.-China political tensions snarl deliveries. The plane maker said earlier this year that the delivery of about 300 737 MAX airplanes had still been suspended. About half of them were designated for Chinese customers. It also noted the outlook for selling planes to China in the near term, a year or two, was negative. A Boeing spokesperson declined to comment about the meeting with China's regulator. The Pentagon is pushing its contractors to move supply chains out of China. The Defense Department is on the move. It recently started using artificial intelligence to track whether the raw materials and parts that contractors use come from China. That's according to a report from the Wall Street Journal. 
This comes after the Pentagon stopped acquiring F-35 fighter jets from Lockheed Martin. After it found out that the alloy used for a magnet in the plane were sourced from China. Zooming out, a growing number of Chinese companies have made it into the Pentagon supply base. A report says the number was 655 as of 2019, an over 400% increase from a decade ago. Shanghai is looking to boost its economy. On Tuesday, the financial hub announced a nearly $260 billion infrastructure investment to be divided for eight projects. It's part of the city's efforts to revive its economy, hit hard by the COVID-19 lockdown earlier this year. Here are the details. Xinhai's economy saw a 14% slump in the second quarter, the worst performance out of China's 31-province-level regions. The city's infrastructure push appears to echo a tactic from the Chinese Communist Party's playbook, used to spur growth. It involves issuing debt to fund major public works projects. Xinhai's eight infrastructure projects include a transport hub, urban railway improvement and housing projects, as well as offshore wind power projects and a nature park. Recent months have seen the city's infrastructure investment pick up. Contracts have been signed for almost 600 projects, with investment totaling $134 billion. But a major question remains, where is the money coming from? That's as China's economy continues to cope with damage from the pandemic, lockdown orders, a real estate sector downturn, slacking domestic consumption and dropping exports. In reality, the funding largely comes from Chinese citizens. Beijing instructed local branches of government to finish selling more than $70 billion in special bonds by the end of October. It was part of a carryover quota from 2019. On top of that, an annual quota of $520 billion will also help fund infrastructure projects. A Chinese police bureau has set up dozens of unofficial service stations overseas, including in the UK. Experts say the Chinese Communist Party is looking to expand its influence internationally. Here's a closer look. An investigation by the not-for-profit organization Safeguard Defender says the stations are part of a program piloted by the Fuzhou Public Security Bureau, named 110 Overseas Service Stations in reference to the Chinese version of 911. More than 50 stations have been identified overseas. The stations appear to be local numbers that overseas Chinese can call to report cases of fraud or document renewal. But some of the stations have been accused of blackmailing Chinese citizens to make them return to China. There are two such stations in London. One of the addresses appears to belong to an estate agent, but it's unclear what's at the other. Safeguard Defender's report said, While not the object of this investigation, at first glance at least some of the associations abroad are tied to the United Front system. The report refers to the system that oversees the Chinese Communist Party's foreign influence operations. According to Chinese media reports, Fuzhou City's Public Security Bureau has already gotten calls from Chinese people living in the U.S., Canada, and Australia. Talk of Marxism and fascism appears to be growing in U.S. political dialogue. But some experts say the two ideologies are largely one and the same, with all roads ultimately leading to communism. Let's dive into analysis from CounterPunch host Trevor Loudon. 
Where is the Marxist movement, if you will, in terms of influence? In what areas of society does this ideology have the most influence on that has you concerned? Well, I think it's, it's the ex extensive infiltration of mainstream politics, the military, the judiciary system, the bureaucracy. Look, look, it's in most things, like uh, it's in the churches, it's in, um, you know, the so-called LGBTQ movement is a Marxist movement. So it's in all, it's in Hollywood, um, uh, it's in TV, but, but the one that's really most concerning now, the aspect, is the deep penetration of the government, the organs of state, the CIA, the FBI, the military, the Justice Department. Recently, we've uh, we've been hearing the Biden administration refer to Trump supporters as semi-fascist. What do you think when you hear that comparison? Well, who who calls who calls conservatives fascists? Star, Stalin started that. That's a communist meme. Um, the uh, yeah, you know, the, the typical glance. If somebody if somebody calls a uh, uh, a, a normal conservative or an American patriot, a fascist, you can pretty much put a ring around that they're a communist. That's what they're doing. That's their standard modus operandi. So, um, yeah, that's 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 Marxist talk. That's uh, that's revolutionary talk. He is making an enemy. He's going to demonize that enemy, and he's going to crack down on that enemy because that enemy is all that's standing between him and a complete monopoly on power. When I say him, I mean the forces behind him. In essence, um, how is fascism actually tied to communism or vice versa? Well, look, back in the 1930s, there wasn't a lot of difference. You know, they were both collectivist systems. The state is everything. And the difference, the slight difference was that the fascists were more national socialists and some of them had an anti-Semitic bent. In those days, there wasn't much distinction drawn between fascism and communism. They were brothers. It only really, it was Stalin, uh, only really became a serious rift when um, Hitler betrayed Stalin and invaded the Soviet Union. And then it was all on. Then all the, um, you know, up until that time, American communists were supporting the Nazis. American communists and British communists were supporting the Nazis. French communists helped sabotage the French military so the Nazis could invade France. They were all together. It was only when they had a falling out that we had this, this uh, differentiation between communism and, and, and fascism, which is a very superficial definition of separation at best. Coming up, the U.S. fentanyl crisis. Now, a certain kind of the deadly drug is targeting children. And the Chinese communist regime has a part in it. Entity's Tiffany Meyer sat down with Anders Kaur, publisher of the Journal of Political Risk, to find out more. Hear his take in just a minute, here on China in Focus. A lethal drug made to look like candy. Experts say rainbow-colored fentanyl is targeting U.S. children. 
Tiffany Meyer sat down with Anders Kaur, publisher of the Journal of Political Risk, to learn more about the danger. In the first half, he notes how many of the precursors are coming from a particular country. Here's what he had to say. Anders, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you. So it seems Border Patrol agents are seizing a record amount of meth and fentanyl at the border, especially in Texas and Arizona. So to begin, just how big is this? How big of a scale is this? The federal crisis is expanding exponentially over the past few years. Um, now, last year, 2021, there were over 107,000 deaths, um, a few grains of, of fentanyl just uh, like about the same amount as a few grains of salt, three grains of salt is enough to be a fatal dose in many people. And the pills and uh, powder that's flowing over the borders um, is often the catch it. When they catch people smuggling this stuff, it's in plastic bags. And there are, you know, a few key, you know, there's enough in, in some of these catches to kill millions of people. Um, and this is happening in not only the United States, it's happening um, in Australia, Canada. Um, it, it, it is a global crisis, and these, uh, the fentanyl is often produced in local labs. I mean, we, there are labs in Canada, uh, Mexico, a lot of labs in Mexico. Um, there's a labs in, in uh, the United States, but the precursors are mostly coming from China. And there are also labs in China. Um, China has not done what it needs to do to shut down these labs uh, that they have to shut down the, the precursor trade. And Anders, given the global implications of this, just how are the drugs getting into all these different countries, especially if the precursors are made in China? How are they getting from China to all of these countries? Well, the precursors are coming, I think, Typically, it's legitimate trade that some of it could be smuggled in as well. Um, and then once it gets to um, Mexico, for example, they would mix it up in labs, uh, in basements, in garages, in um, houses. And it really doesn't take a lot of space. I mean, these these labs are as big as your household garage. Um, and oftentimes, the people who are mixing the fentanyl are amateurs. They they don't know what they're doing. They're they're pouring in ingredients as I would pour in ingredients when I make you know a salad. They're not measuring things. Um, so uh, and then once it's made, it's you know very very small quantities can can are very potent. Um, so fentanyl is a hundred times more powerful than morphine, for example. Um, and there's another product called carfentanil which is 100 times more powerful than uh, fentanyl itself. So these things can travel in very small quantities. They're put into cars, shoe boxes. Um, they're stashed in industrial equipment. Um, people hide them about their bodies uh, when they're walking across the border. And it seems there's also reports of now, say, rainbow fentanyl. So just how widespread is this? What kind of drugs are we finding fentanyl cut into? There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, fentanyl coming across now as rainbow colored pills, rainbow colored uh, what looks like street chalk that children would use on sidewalks, sidewalk chalk. Um, and so there's a real concern that the drug dealers may be using this uh, colored fentanyl to appeal to children, to hook children, 
The DEA has stated uh, that that's the case. Um, so, you know, regardless of, of whether you believe that this stuff is on purpose meant to hook children, the effect is that it will be easier to hook children. If stray pills are laid around, it could look like candy that children take. Um, so it, it is it is quite quite a big danger. These, these the, the rainbow fentanyl. Children are getting killed um, by fentanyl. There's a um, a video, uh, uh, you know, a couple of years back, I think, of a 12 year old who was given a sold a pill by a 14 year old, and um, it was. Um, you know, it was crushed. This 12-year-old lined it up to snort it herself, and then she snorted it and then died. Uh, you know, so this stuff, there's a, there's a case recently in Colorado where an infant, a baby, um, whose parents are hooked on fentanyl or were using, allegedly using fentanyl, um, somehow got fentanyl in the baby's, uh, uh, you know, body, and the baby died. Uh, so, you know, these things, it, it, it's so pervasive now. Um, it's equal in some places to the number of suicides in the country. So it's deeply related uh, to, you know, many things. I mean, in, there, there are deeper causes of this fentanyl crisis that go to mental health, depression, um, suicide issues, um, you know, all of these things to really address the problem need to be uh, dealt with partially through education, um, especially of children about the dangers of fentanyl. On that note, Anders, how would the country, say America, go about that education, especially, say, given this case of the infant? How would you make sure people aren't dying from this drug? People need to know. I mean, I would say starting in in uh, in the early teens or even earlier in, in, in the junior high or, or late grade school even, uh, Children need to be educated that drugs um, are now incredibly dangerous. They're much more dangerous than they were in the past. Um, a, a lot of the heroin use has actually dropped, uh, you know, significantly because people are moving to the cheaper, but much, much more dangerous fentanyl. So all of this, uh, and fentanyl is being included in, in many different kinds of drugs like cocaine or uh, prescription opiates that are sold illegally uh, on the black market um, that are mixed with fentanyl because fentanyl is cheaper than cocaine. It's cheaper than uh, Oxycontin, for example. Um, so what they do is they mix the fentanyl in to make uh, the production of these drugs cheaper to stretch their supply. Um, and then people get, you know, people are taking fentanyl and not even realizing it. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Chenny Wu. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow.